0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the NFL regular season is in the books. (laughs) and Wow. What a day. I mean, there were so many close games, so many intense games, so many overtime games. you got to give it up to the NFL. And to bring it home, I'm looking at you, Pac-12. You need to copy what the NFL does. The NFL closes the season... In the last four weeks, pretty much everybody plays three division games. Which means when it gets close to the end, you've always got the chance, well, yeah, if you get the win, not only you get the win, but you get the tiebreaker, so everybody's got hope. You know, they're going to make up ground. And, of course, they don't always. A lot of times they don't. But there's a chance. And you finish with rivals playing each other. You know, you've got the, the Niners and the Rams, Great. Traditional rivals. Great game. Overtime game. And the Niners get the win and eliminate the Saints and get into the playoffs. And the Saints lost Taysom Hill, so I know a lot of you lost your interest in Saints. Liz Frank injury, it sounds like. Which uh that's what he had against Nebraska. And that's a pretty serious injury. That I think is what ended Chad Lewis's career. Now, you can come back from it, and he has, so maybe he can do it again, but that, that sounded bad. And it's too bad because he's playing well. And Atlanta's not a good team, but they had a touchdown on the opening drive. They got into field goal range, although they missed it on the second drive. And then on the third drive, they were driving towards the score, and he got hurt. And they'd already driven like 50 yards or whatever, and uh, Simeon came in and scored, and they went on to win the game. Um, but I think all these games, late in the year with these division games that are so big, they're a great idea. And I think the Pac-12 needs to do it. And why the Pac-12 feels like they need to routinely have Utah and USC playing each other in early October, and then the youths play in Oregon in November, which, you know, sets up the chance for a rematch. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't seem like a good idea. The Pac-12 needs to play the crossover games early and then play the division games late. But... What do I know? I mean, the NFL does it, and it works for them. Copy them. Don't try to outthink the room. The NFL's full of just genius. Look at the way they market themselves. Look at the day they had. My gosh. Now, there were some eggs laid. And I'm looking at you, Indianapolis. You won, You won 8 out of 10 after a terrible start. You won 8 out of 10 again in a playoff position, and you lose your last two games to the Raiders. And to the Jaguars. Now, at least the Raiders—you lost at the end. It was competitive. It didn't go your way. You got blown out by the Jaguars, and they're terrible. It was only their third win. That was horrific. Wentz was terrible. The defense was terrible. Everything fell apart. It all rests on the head coach, uh, top to bottom. That was just a mess. You, you can't be down 26 to three. They got a late touchdown and two, and lost 26 to 11. That was a mess. That that was horrific. So you got to give it up to the Colts. They had the worst day. The Chargers and Ravens had bad days. They both lost in overtime. Tyler Huntley, man, the pick on the first play of the fourth quarter—you just knew the football gods were going to punish that. They're up ten to six. <clears throat> They're playing it close to the vest. They got a great defense. Roethlisberger does not appear like he can throw the ball downfield whatsoever. And seeing so a defensive struggle, you're in field goal range. Worst case scenario, you kick the field goal. You go up by seven. He throws at the end zone. You could see in a replay what he saw, but he threw it late. And if you don't throw it a little early and get it in there, then you run the risk of all defenders. You know, the, the window's open, but it's not open for long, and it's not open by much. And sure enough, you throw it a little late, it hangs in the air, and it gets picked off. And when that happened, you're like, oh, the Steelers are coming back. Sure enough, they score with three minutes left. Now, you got to give it up to Huntley He kept competing. He had a big 21-yard run on a field goal drive that got him to overtime. But in overtime... The Steelers convert a fourth and eight. And I know Roethlisberger isn't what he was, and he's probably retiring. But the rest of the team is not good. I don't like the whole, oh, Big Ben is washed, so the Steelers are no good. I think without Ben, the Steelers fall even further. And I'm not sure he's got much left in the tank. But they have been bad against the run this year. They haven't run the ball well. And that's just statistical fact. You can look at it. They're not good numbers. And they still have drop issues. On the game-winning drive... They had a second and eight, and Ben hit two guys in the hands, and they both dropped the ball. So now it's fourth and eight. But they converted. They got down the field, set up the field goal, and won the game. Then they had to (laughs) – all they needed was the Chargers and Raiders not to go to overtime, and the Raiders were up by 15. I mean, they had some help from the Chargers. I don't care what the analytics say. You're going for it on fourth and one at your own 17 or 18-yard line, and you're getting stuffed. Oh, now of course, because these teams aren't very good, the Raiders can't cash in and make them pay. The Raiders end up having to kick a field goal. You can't be gifted the ball in the red zone and settle for three. You're going to the playoffs. You're fighting to go to the playoffs. You got to put that thing in the end zone. So there were flaws. There were, and actually, the Raiders. You know, the Chargers have a terrible run defense. I mean, they shouldn't be in the playoffs. They have a terrible run defense. They're ranked. 29th in yards per game on the ground. But you got to give the Charger defense credit. They stopped the Raiders on like first and goal at the 3 in the first quarter and made him settle for a field goal. And then they held him after that ridiculous gamble that's on the coaching staff. So, they did they did make some plays. <clears throat> and Herbert's good, but he throws too many picks. He throws his 15th pick of the year in that game. That's too many. It's like I think Two off of Trevor Lawrence, who led the NFL. And Lawrence has the advantage of, well, he's a rookie. He played for a coach with no pro experience. He got fired in the middle of the year. And the team around him isn't good. So it's bad that Lawrence threw, I think it was 17 was the final number. It's bad that he threw 17 picks. But you can't be a third-year pro trying to get to the playoffs and only be two picks off Trevor Lawrence. Come on now. you got to protect the ball better than that. But he is a gunslinger, and Herbert brought him back, man. They needed two fourth-quarter touchdown drives and a two-point conversion to get to OT, and he did it. He threw a touchdown on fourth and 21 on fourth and five. He's not efficient, but, man, is he entertaining. And he got in overtime, and they trade the field goals, and then, I don't know, they're calling timeouts. It felt like the Raiders might just play for the tie. And I know there was a whole lot, oh, they should just kneel down for three hours and get out of there. You can't do that. The commissioner's got the powers to to punish you, to actually, I think, give you losses and forfeit the game and kick you out of the playoffs. Um, But they played it. And so, you know, in the final minute of overtime, if that's the best strategy, so be it. But after the game, the Chargers called timeout, and so then the Raiders decided to go for it. After the game, Derek Carr said, yeah, the timeout changed our mentality. So... It's tough for coaches in that situation. Of all the mistakes that were made, although I don't like that one, I I get that one a little bit. You know, Kyle Whittingham didn't call a timeout against Ohio State, and they ended up getting down into chip shot field goal range and run the clock right down there to the final seconds. So sometimes, because you don't know what's coming, you know, you're cursed if you do, you're cursed if you don't. There were so many curious decisions, though. What was Denver doing on Saturday? I mean, it didn't matter because Denver's already out of the playoffs, and Vic Fangio got fired, so now there's three jobs open. And it's Black Monday, so we're going to have more names coming out today. Um, more people will get fired. But Fangio gets let go. But they're down seven, and they're driving. There's like four and a half minutes left in the game. I think they had like fourth and nine at the 13 or something. And instead of going for it and trying to tie the game up, they kick a field goal, and then they never get the ball back. Curious decision would be the nice thing to say about that. Horrific would be another one. And I think Fangio is probably getting fired anyway. But that sealed it. And it is a little dirty. I mean, they don't have a quarterback. And the defense was great. You know, if they, if they can get Russell Wilson in the offseason, the Broncos could be in business. Of course, that's what New Orleans is saying. And that's what Washington is saying. And we go right down the line, right? The, if Seattle chooses to trade him, they're going to have an auction. And who knows, maybe a team with a young quarterback says, forget it, let's win now, let's get Russell Wilson. I don't think Chicago would do that, but maybe they're going to end up with a new coach. Who knows, right? Anyway, a lot of crazy games. We'll get more into the NFL coming up and what is trending. The NFL has what it wants. San Francisco at Dallas for a playoff game. New England and Buffalo, grudge match. They're meeting the third time. And there's a bunch of – oh, Arizona and the Rams are meeting for a third time, too. There's a bunch of good playoff games. So Ram, the, the Raiders and the Bengals are going to play Saturday afternoon. The Raiders haven't won a playoff game in 19 years, and the Bengals haven't won one in 30. So somebody's ending a drought. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Best of the Jazz postgame show on the way as they lose again. More players going into COVID protocol. Assistant coaches, too. Uh, We'll get to all of that coming up. Best of the Jazz postgame show next. Stay with us. Good morning. DJ and PK at 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Pacers. Get the win. They beat the Jazz. DeMontis Sabonis goes nuts. Let's get to the best of the postgame show.
1: Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 12 of the zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz dropped a tough one Saturday night. They've now lost two in a row. Uh, they lost Saturday to Indiana, 125 to 113. Of course, no Joe Ingles, no Rudy Gobert, but Donovan Mitchell was back. Boyan Bogdanovich was back. Mike Conley uh, was back as well, but uh, to no avail. The Jazz fall. DeVonta, uh, DeMontis Sabonis. How about this game? Forty-two points, eighteen of twenty-two shooting, three of four from three. Absolutely amazing. And Lance Stevenson, who the Pacers recently signed, comes back with a uh, with a uh, comes back in a blaze of glory. That doesn't make any sense. Sixteen points, fourteen assists for Lance Stevenson in twenty-nine minutes coming in off the bench. Jazz did not have any answer for Indiana defensively. They got thirty-six though from Donovan Mitchell on thirteen of twenty-seven shooting, twenty-one from. Bogdanovich, 18 from Clarkson coming in off the bench. Let's get to some post game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz Head Coach Quinn Snyder. Quinn wanted to ask
2: about kind of the defensive level in this game. Obviously, giving up 125 points. Just what did you see defensively
3: out there? Well, the first, um, you know, we had a, a player that in Sabonis that, you know, just had a, a terrific night. We tried to do a lot of different things against him. Um, you know, usually, Usually he scores on the offensive glass sometimes. Um, in the paint tonight, he just, he was, you know, around the basket. He, he was so efficient. A lot of times it was in the middle of the floor. And um, we were trying to come and help. And uh, obviously had difficulty handling him, particularly down low. So um, when we get those types of situations, you know, it just, it's, it requires us Um you know, we're blitzing the post. We're switching pick and roll, they're rolling us down. There was a lot of different things that happened, and our execution in some of those situations, um, you know, it shows with their offensive efficiency. It's just got it's got to be got to be better. And you know, we'll, we'll we'll look at it and find where we need to be better in terms of help situations, ball pressure. There was a lot of different things throughout the course of the possession that could contribute to that.
4: Ryan Miller.
5: Uh, Daniel and Norvell got a chance to kind of go with the normal guys tonight. What did you think of them kind of going tonight?
3: Well, you know, we saw Daniel play, you know, last night as well. And, you know, we want him to come in and defend and run and shoot when he's when he's got a clean look from three. Hassan got in foul trouble early. Um, You know, and Novell got a chance to play and, you know, did some good things for us, blocked a shot, um, got to the basket. Um, So both those guys, you know, trying to contribute in ways that they can. There you go.
1: That's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after his team uh, fell to Indiana on Saturday night, 125 to 113. Let's get to the players. Let's start things off with Donovan Mitchell.
5: Hey, Don, um, after after missing and watching kind of the young guys be able to step it up and especially what they were able to do in the first half, I guess, against Toronto. Um, first, what did you think about that? And then coming into tonight, did you did you feel like you guys had your legs under you? I think you and Mike and some of the other guys that took a night off.
6: Um, no, I will answer the second part first. Um, I felt like we were okay. You know, we we competed. You know, there was, there's certain things that we could have done better. Um, I don't think we were tired more than more than normal. I would say um, they 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 just we haven't seen pressure like that for a consistent forty eight minutes in a while. You know, so that that plays into that. But I wouldn't say because of the time off. You know, we were kind of we didn't have our legs per se. You know, at the end of the day, um, if anything, we would have more legs. Um, to be honest with you, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. And then as far as last night, man, I I wanted to tweet eight tweets about it, but like. Those guys play their ass off. I'm extremely proud of them, you know, uh, all of them. Um, it's that's a tough situation to go from not playing to playing 36, 37 against a team like Toronto. Um, Eric, you know, coming in and doing what he does, um, you know, I kind of had a feeling he was going to do that just because he's had that role before in Golden State. Eli looked really good, comfortable. Um, and there were some mistakes, you know, it's, it's natural, you know, when you play against a team that's as is, is quick and agile and as long as they are, you know, Trent, Trent and JB, you know, fumbled it a little bit, but, you know, they learn from those mistakes. They'll learn a moment. It's not a big deal, you know, but to go out there and compete, you know, to go out there and continue to, you know, to, to fight and battle, those guys play really well. Everybody, top to bottom. And, you know, I think we're all proud of the development that we've seen, you know, from everybody. And um, that'll come to help us, you know, in the later months. But that that was – I was – I was. Excited. I think we all were. We all watched it together. And I think it was great to see, you know, that um, out of the group.
3: Tony Johns.
7: Donovan, uh, what would you say uh, went wrong for you guys tonight?
6: Um, honestly, man, we, we... – we, we, we did it to ourselves, I feel like. That's a winnable game for us. Um, we shot ourselves in the foot with a few different things. You know, we get a turnover, turn it right back, turnover right back, uh, missed assignments. A lot of it, you know, we, we knew what we need to be, and we just weren't there every possession. And... We got to do it. This month is not easy for us. The schedule is going to not be easy for us. So it's like, yo, we got to go out there and do it every night. You know, teams are coming at us, uh, especially with what happened last game, with how they were physical and, and, and kind of all that other uh, nonsense. You know, for us, we, we got to be locked in from the jump. And, you know, we were, and then they go on a run. We come back, you know, we competed. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, we got to think the game too. Um down the stretch. We got to think about where, where we need to be, our game plans, why we're failing. I got lazy, didn't get over a screen. I got lazy, didn't miss the blockout. for Sex comes in and, and gets a left like, so like, this is a point if we want to be a championship team, we got to do it every night and we didn't do it tonight and we, this is like, Let's go. And that's on all of us, 1 through 15. And I know we're missing Joe and Rudy, so it's, it's you can easily put it on that. But this is a winnable game for us. Um, this is something that we we can go out there and win this game. And, you know, the fact that we did not hurts and, and it's going to eat at us. But, you know, hopefully that fuels us for, for Detroit and the rest of this month because it's going to be tough. Um, but this is a game where – that was a game where we – if we pay a little more attention to the little things, you know, do everything a little bit a little bit better, a little bit better pace, you know, execution-wise, we win this game.
4: Eric Walden
2: gone uh, along those lines. It seemed like you guys, you know, aside from a few turnovers, generally had a pretty good offensive night, but the defensive engagement was kind of mm-hmm. not where it needed to be. Where are the areas on the defensive side where you guys can be more consistent or, or be more effective?
6: Oh, you know, obviously when you don't have Rudy out there, we did it against Jokic in Denver. You know, we shifted, you know, we were there in the paint, you know, at the end of I mean, Jokic had 20 and 20, but we still were shifted in, you know, making guys. And they shoot better than Denver does. Uh, they got more shooters. But, you know, the thing is we, we were able to execute. We were able to think. We were able to go out there and say, okay, you know, we're missing both our centers, you know, both our both our big dogs. We were able to lock in, scramble, execute. And, you know, we didn't really do that to the highest level, whether it was on the ball, our scrambles, getting out of contest, closing out, boxing out. Um, we just didn't do it every possession you know there were times where we we needed it we kicked in and we, we got the lead back but you know, for us to be where we want to be, we have to do it every possession. Um, and I can't say we did that tonight and not think that's going to eat at us because this is a game, like I said, this is a game we felt like we could win and you got to give hats off to where, and got to give them credit where credit's due. They got a lot of dogs over there, guys who competing, and fighting. Uh, Sabonas had a hell of a night. So we just got to go out there and continue to execute and think, you know, the game as far as the defense goes. Offensively, we did a lot of things right. You know, I, I think we, I mean, we missed some, some, some easy ones, we missed some shots that we normally make, but, you know, defensively, especially when, you know, you got Rudy out, and then also Joe on the perimeter. Like we got to be able to, uh, you know, lock him.
4: Last question, Ryan Miller.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Don, could you just take us through how strange this week has been for you just with the whole COVID thing, not going to Canada, how different of a road trip has this been? Um, I wouldn't say it's too different. I think,
6: you know, cause I didn't go on the road trip to, um, where did we just go? San Antonio and, and Portland, I think it was – it gives you time to kind of sit back and watch the game in, in a different spe- aspect, you know, it's, a, it's, it's it's different. But for me – for me personally, I should say, you know, it allows you to kind of get your lift in, get your legs right, you know, and kind of recovering and, and make sure your body's 100% for a game like tonight where you know it's going to be a physical 48. It's been weird, though, you know, because we – you know, collecting to go and then guys get COVID, you know, Rudy and Joe get COVID, and it's like, you know, just – you got to be able to adapt, you know, and I think that's that's the biggest thing, you know, is we, especially going into Denver, you know, with that happening, it just everything just happened kind of quickly,
1: uh, but you know, we just got to be able to adapt and be ready, and you know, get ready for Detroit. There is Donovan Mitchell. Big night from Donovan in the loss. Thirty-six points on thirteen of twenty-seven shooting, nine assists, and he even uh, grabbed a couple of rebounds. Let's now hear from Hassan Whiteside. Hey
2: Hassan, um, Don told us that he felt like the the effort and concentration levels were not really consistent and where they need to be on a night-to-night basis. Um, what do you feel like you guys can can do better in that regard?
7: Um, I don't know. I know guys came back, you know. A uh, couple guys missed games last game. and You know, we, had, we didn't really get to have a shoot around or anything because it was back-to-back. So we just came in and, uh, you know, they got the better of us. Andy Larson?
2: How did the concussion happen and kind of like what has the last week or so been for you like as you've kind of dealt with those
4: symptoms?
7: Oh, uh, I just had a headache every day. You know, it feels like you like hungover. You know, it feels like um like light sensitivity, you know, it's it's, it's, it's not good. It's not a good feeling. Do you feel like that's still affecting you at all? Yeah, I still got a, uh, still a little bit of a headache. I got a little bit, but it's okay. I've just been playing. Um, I'm fine.
2: I'm just trying to get, uh, get back in the field of things. Eric Walden, Hassan. Obviously, um, Sabonis had a huge night. Uh, where was he having success? Where Where do you feel like you guys maybe could have done things a little differently against him?
7: Um, I mean, he was scoring a lot of a lot of points when we was when we went smaller. You know. Um, he scored a lot of points uh, when it was when it was like under the shot, under the rim. He um, just got like a lot of like easy dunks, I think, and um, off the rolls.
4: Sarah Todd, last question. Hassan, so do you think
5: that uh, that the kind of the effects of the concussion and you still feeling it a little bit is affecting your play at all?
7: Um, no, I don't want you no excuse. You know, I'm I'm just coming out. You know, I'm just trying to get back and uh get back to things. You know, uh, it was a, it was we ain't practice. Uh, it was a back to back, so I'm not really I'm not really concerned. We're gonna move on to
1: Detroit and then um. Then we go back home. There's Hassan Whiteside, eight points, eight rebounds in 25 minutes of play. He got the start for Rudy Gobert, who, of course, is out uh, due to health and safety protocols. He and Joe Ingles both. Let's wrap up the player sound with Boyan Bogdanovich. Hey, Boyan. Um seems like you guys mostly had a pretty good offensive
2: night other than, you know, a few turnovers here and there, but the defensive effort was maybe not as consistent as you guys would have liked. Where do you feel like there was perhaps room to improve in that area?
5: I mean, we got to be, we got to be more aggressive defensively. This is not who we are. Like a lot of, a lot of easy, easy buckets, especially for the for Sabonis early on. But, uh, but like I said, our effort got to got to be better all, all across the board. And uh, bad loss, bad loss for us. I mean, last couple of games, we were our defense was solid. And and, and once again, we kind of let them to drop 130 points or whatever they had tonight, Sarah Todd. Well, what's it, what's it feel like when a guy has a career night against you? I mean, she had a she had a great game. Like I said, he got in a game with a with a couple easy buckets, and then Lance was doing pretty pretty good job on pick and roll finding him. So I mean, it's always. It's always bad. You don't want to be on a, on on that side, but uh, a great game from uh, from his side.
4: Eric,
3: Walden.
5: Well, you mentioned that the effort was not
2: where it needed to be tonight, and Don made similar comments that mm-hmm. consistency of effort and and concentration keeps kind of popping up with this team. How do you feel okay. like that's uh, a thing that you guys can can fix and get better at? Yes. Oh, okay
5: got to be got to be more aggressive on uh, on the ball be be more aggressive on uh, on the help side as well like i meant like we, we played we had a couple 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 games that we that we were defending pretty pretty well but uh, i don't know what's going on there once in a while we are we allowed we allowed the teams to score, score a bunch of easy easy buckets on us. But uh, it's all on us. Like like I said, across the board, we got to all take more responsibility and, and and be better defensively. Last question, Andy Larson. Oh yeah, and I just want to ask about a specific
2: play—the one at the very end of the first half, um, where Dwayne Washington got that open three as kind of the clock went down. I'm just—it seemed like a miscommunication, but kind of what what happened on that play? I was just
5: trying to figure it out. I mean yeah, it's it's all about, about concentration and um uh, and, and a focus probably we didn't we didn't switch and and, and he got a, he was wide open. But uh, like I said, we gotta we gotta be better. Those those kind of errors cannot be part of our game if you wanna if you wanna be and create something special this season.
1: There's Boyan Bogdanovich, had 21 against his old team on 7 of 16 shooting. He also grabbed six boards, but the Jazz fall to the Pacers, 125 to 113. Uh, They're back out on the road tonight. They're in Detroit taking on the Pistons. That game will tip off at 5 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 4.
0: There is the best of the postgame show. Jazz and Pistons tomorrow. Rudy Gay and Elijah Hughes both going into COVID protocols joining Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles also three assistant coaches led by Alex Jensen so it's going to be a little space on the bench for that game tonight it's the Jazz and Pistons tonight and then they're back home on Wednesday to play Cleveland we're going to be right back with the Jazz owner who is now also part owner of Saul Lake he's got a minority share uh, but Ryan Smith with PK and I coming up next DJ and PK it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone we're joined now by Ryan Smith Majority owner of the Utah Jazz, and he now has a minority stake in Rouse Salt Lake as well. Ryan, welcome to the show.
8: What's up, guys? How's it going?
0: <laughs> well, you bought another team.
8: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this stuff works, but we end up. Uh, we uh, man, like the world's a crazy place because we originally started kind of down this road in sports with RSL and. And talking to Millers ended up, you know, going into the the jazz. And it all came through RSL. And then a year later, you know, I'm talking with Blitz. And he's like, hey, this is, uh, this is a good opportunity. And I'm a soccer guy. Let's go do this. We'd love to have you involved. And, it, you know, I think the original piece of RSL was right. It was just in the wrong order.
4: Yeah, for sure. We had, you know, we had heard of your interest in in this, so it didn't come as a surprise to us that you got involved. I'm wondering when you go the, into these ventures, how much research do you do before you absolutely say okay, yes, this is the right thing to do? I mean,
8: first of all, it's like I think that and and it's hard it's hard to understand this, but you know, sports is a long-term commitment, right? you know, these sports franchises, they're, you know, no one gets, I mean, at least from on on the ownership side, no one's getting a paycheck. Right. And I think, I think there's probably a perception out there that these, these create a bunch of, you know, instant wealth or this or that. Um, It's really about the community. And if this MLS team was not in Utah, there'd be no chance that we would have a, a part of it. And, You know, when we did the Jazz, I was super fortunate to put together a couple people who don't live in Utah who are all in on Utah. They love Utah. And it's pretty amazing that when we have an opportunity like this, you know, everyone on the Jazz side basically unanimously was like, we're all in on soccer. Even though there's probably two two of them that will never go to a soccer game or be there and willing to commit because of the broader vision and the good they see in Utah. And that's, that's special. And that's what allow us to to go in and do this. And so um, you do a bunch of research. I mean, you got to be familiar with it, but, you know, both the Jazz and RSL, like I'm a fan first, right? And so it's kind of a unique spot to be in. I'm also a sponsor first, which is also another unique spot to be in. And so I, I think that it, it helps a lot.
0: Different owners probably handle it differently. Maybe different owners, the ones who own multiple teams, handle it differently with each club, I, w- I would assume. But I'm curious how you parcel out your time. Uh, you're married. We all know relationships take time, effort, yeah. and energy. And you got kids. And if we raise kids, we know they take time, energy, and, and focus and all that. You got a company to run, you got a team to run, you got other things you're interested in. We've heard you on social and political issues. Like, how much time do you put into the jazz in an average week? And how much time do you think you're going to put into RSL in an average week? And how much of the research PK talks about was business and how much of the research was personal because you got all these other things to focus on, too?
8: Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of people are trying to figure that out. I mean, that's been a question that you're always trying to figure out how to balance, um, you know, and reinventing yourself. I think we all do that. Um, You know, and and I think first and foremost, no one's perfect, right? So I'm not perfect at all. And, um, you know, time allocation's hard because it creeps up on you. Like, you you say, hey, this is how much time I'm going to go put into something, and then you look at your calendar – And I used to run this exercise for like 10 years where it's like, where did I actually spend time versus where I thought I spent time. And then you're super surprised that, oh my word, I spent 20 hours this week on this and I wasn't planning on it. And we all, we all kind of do that. Um, When it comes to sports though, um, let's just break it down with like RSL first. So I hope in, in, I said this yesterday, it's like we are so incredibly fortunate as a state of Utah that David Blitzer planted his MLS flag here. Like, I cannot be more direct on that. There's only two soccer franchises in the world that have a portfolio like David does, and it's Man City, and it's what David's put together with six European teams, including Crystal Palace and Osberg and, um, you know, team in Belgium, team in Spain, and now Salt Lake. So so first, just, you know, someone where it's a natural fit for an MLS saying, hey, look, I want to do it here. And then we're also maybe one of, we're, we're, we're one of a couple cities that has two professional sports franchises, mainly MLS and basketball. I make the think of Portland and Orlando. But we're the only one where they're tied together now with one ownership. And that is also a massive advantage. David's team is going to operate soccer. So let's talk from a time standpoint. I'm here to help. Um, regardless of ownership structure or anything else, it would be crazy to not um want that group operating soccer and you know I'm here to help the jazz I'm more involved with and so I think that that's that's kind of how I think through it but you know um you know the NBA's been a crazy place the last couple of years and you know but in both areas it's like we hire phenomenal people who would do a way better job than I would and and try to empower them and I think that you've seen that with the jazz, with both Jay Z and Ainge coming in, um, and then you know we're so incredibly blessed to have Quinn. Um, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty phenomenal organization, and so I just try to help where I can, and, and try to not not mess it up.
4: <laughs> yeah, for sure. You say that because of the location of the, of Salt Lake city, you know, that was your interest in RSL. So it basically, it had to be in Salt Lake city. Did it have to be this owner also too, that you wanted to partner with a hundred percent. And that, that was, that was
8: one of the reasons why, I mean, blitz called me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about this. If you're in, I'm in. And, and that's really how it happened. And, and then we started talking and started getting much more exciting. Um, from, from that standpoint. Um, so it's, it, I think, I think it's a, it's a good move. I mean, this is in its short time. RSL is, has become a storied franchise and, um, there's a lot of respect around the league for what the, I mean, look, going to the Western conference playoffs this last year and, um, you know, winning a championship. It's, it's, it's been, has been an interesting, um, and with the Academy and everything that they've done, um, I feel like I've been fortunate to try to kind of take stewardship over two amazing franchises and, and try to take them to the next level, and and that's how sports works.
0: There are people in the organization who have seen synergy between these two teams for uh, for at least a decade. Now there have been people along the way who didn't see it all, and there was one meeting famously where I think some you know somebody got laughed out of the room for even suggesting it back when the team was worth. 10 or 15% of what it's worth now. Uh, and I've heard all kinds of speculation about how good this can be for the business side of both these clubs and uh, the synergy, the amount of um, money and resources it could free up in selling sponsorships, selling tickets, food and beverage, uh, luxury. Su- I mean, there's a whole list of stuff. How much of that stuff is overblown and how much of that stuff do you see and, and see that as what you bring to the table?
8: Um, you know, it's a good question. I think that there's definitely massive synergy. You don't—I mean, anyone can sit there and think through the synergies. And first of all, let's just let's not talk financial or business side. Let's just talk community side. Every jazz fan should be an RSL fan, and vice versa, right? They both have different fan groups. You know, I—I've I, gone around, God, the last two years and. Ask anyone anywhere, like, who's your NBA team? They say no. It's like I'm sending you a jazz shirt, like you're ours. <laughs> like, will you, will you be a jazz fan? <laughs> yeah. Right? We have so many people that have relocated to Utah, and it should be part of their welcome packet. Here's your jazz sticker. Here's your RSL sticker. Come on. We're choosing your teams. Here it is. And they love it. They love being a part of something. And so I think, from a community standpoint, um, that's the first thing that gets me excited. Is hey, there's there's a little bit of different seasoning going on. Um, it's it's a break. RSL is not playing as many games, um, and I think I think there's been a little bit of a I don't know if it's a scarcity mentality, but you know I'll just give you one touch point. I mean, we played on New Year's Day here against the Warriors and. You know, I, I, we were pretty sold out. I mean, the place was electric. But that exact same time, we probably had 50,000 fans down at the Road Bowl, right? And, and if you just think where Utah's come, that's, that's pretty special. And so I think that there's a lot of synergies at being able to have these two organizations tied. And I mean, they're different organizations. We kept them completely independent. Um, we do that on purpose. I think they'll both operate way better, um, but you know, it's 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 not hard. I mean, from from jerseys and swag to you know food contracts and there, there's a lot there's a lot that can be done on the business side and but but I'm much more excited about just the connection with the community and some of the things that are working well on both sides and and just getting the community involved in sports because in a world where, Kyle, it feels like everything's just dividing us, Um, you know, especially during COVID and other things. Like, people can go watch sports and and forget about life for a while. And we all can agree on something as a community. And that's why I'm doing this, Um, truly is. I mean, I want to win, and I'm super competitive. And, you know, there's nothing I want more than championships for Utah. And if I can help try to bring that, then it's it's definitely worth it. But along the way, we, we've got to get our community involved. And I love where the Jazz is going with that and how we're reaching out. And, um, you know, we started the Jazz Foundation, which is the one that's doing the scholarships. And, um, you know, the Jazz have always had that spot in the community. So.
4: I'm wondering for you, how much of a challenge is it to balance being an owner so you have to be fiscally responsible and all that type of stuff versus being a fan where you want the team to win and you may have connections to individuals that you may have to part with?
8: Um, look, the NBA, for example, is, is a really unique spot right now. I would say over the last five years, the NBA looks very different than it's ever looked. You know, if you look at the ownership groups in the NBA, these these owners are not messing around. Um, if I look at the peer group out there, whether it's Palmer, it's Cuban, um, you know, I can just go group by group. Um, what you saw in Milwaukee, um, you know, it's not just a couple of ownership groups on um, Brooklyn with Josai. they're they're in it to win it, and. You know, you've got you've got two teams this year that are further over the salary cap than all, and then the luxury tax, than every team combined last year, which is crazy. Um, you know, with with Brooklyn and and you know the the Warriors, and so I think I think the ultimate goal is that we we really truly try to win and take this to the next level, and the Jazz are such a stable organization I mean um, and and we want that stability but it's also very very difficult to go from you know good to great right and you know a, a lot of the reason for um, you know I mean wanting to tap Danny is because he's an individual that's been able to do that and he's at a point in his career where there's not a lot of ego and he just wants to come in and help and he's here and um, you know, you got one of the best basketball minds in the world who's has had one of the most stable franchises and has more playoff wins than, than anyone in the last 15 years. And, you know, how do we get from good to great? And, and we're there and kind of never, you never know, like no one would have predicted what happened last year in the playoffs. And, you know, I like our guys. I like our spot and it's, um, We're pretty fortunate. Um, I'm pretty fortunate to be a sports fan in Utah right now.
0: Ryan Smith joining us, Jazz Majority Owner, and now he has a minority stake in Rail Salt Lake as well. Uh, there were a lot of owners who took a big hit during COVID. Live events took a big hit. Do you feel like, and, and you probably know more because I think the commissioners and the owners have access to a lot of information, do you feel like that you're at the tail end of that right now? Do you feel like you're in the middle of it, and financially you're still going to be battling this going forward? What do you what do you think,
8: man, it's, I feel like every time we feel like we're, we're turning a corner, um, this happens. And it's, it's a hard year for hard couple of years for, for just so many people. And there's so much suffering that's been going on, but, um, you know, I think we're learning is a, is a society to kind of try to work through this and, you know, i i love the idea of having people together i mean when we came out you know there's i mean we see the backlash when we say "Hey, you got to be vaccinated you got to be tested in the arena and covid's over and then here we are today right where we've got players who are testing positive we're we're up in toronto tonight where the entire city shut down and I'm just grateful for our fan base and our community for trying to do their part in keeping it open because, you know, we could very, very easily be in a spot where we don't have live events and that's just not good or sustainable for anyone. And so I think, um, you know, I appreciate Utah for, for kind of leaning in and, and trying to help get through it because it's, it's unprecedented. I mean, no one's been through this before and you know, it's hard and there's a lot that a lot of people don't understand. And so I think we're all just kind of leaning in together. And I think what Adam Silver just came out and did and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to have to learn to play through this, whether it's 10 day contracts or whatever else, like the show's going to go on. Um, Whereas, you know, and we were part of, I mean, we shut down the world. Not just the NBA, but the Utah Jazz. Like that was the tipping point to say, Hey, look, we're in we're in Oklahoma City and, and um everything kinda oh wow, this is serious. So we're taking a different approach. Um and, and fortunately um we've been able to do it, but health and safety are a first priority and, and it's challenging, man. It and it, it takes a toll on everyone. I mean, I would say the last two years in the NBA are are equivalent to five years
4: mm-hmm.
8: and and you know coaching players like it's hard it is hard and you know the travel not knowing who's playing not knowing you know testing landing in a city at two in the morning and instead of going to bed it's you know wake up at six and test so you can get your test back it's it, it's a grind and it, and it truly has taken a toll on mental health and everything else and so everyone's just trying to get through it.
4: I think the biggest surprise for me, Ryan, is why aren't you in Maui with Tony? <laughs> oh man. I I you know, it's
8: uh his caddy Mark's gotta get back on the bag and get a little rhythm with him. <laughs> right? Like we want we want everyone to to feel good about where they stand, <laughs> but he uh, look. I hope uh, we had a good little run there, man. I mean, on Saturday <laughs> it, it, in in uh, the Bahamas, like we we got it going. That course is just super tough. The wind started coming, and Tony hit the ball so good, and you know it was. We had some serious warning track power that week. <laughs> where we where. <laughs> Where it was, it was going, and even on even on Sunday on the weekend, like we we had a good chance to do it. But it was uh, what an amazing experience. There's not a better human than Tony Finau. Um, You know, we played a lot of golf together. I've I've been in tournament play next to him, and you know, he called me and was just like, "Hey, I need you," and I was like, "All right," uh, but I had no idea that we'd be racing into contention on Saturday. I was just trying to not lose clubs, and I mean, the first day, I think I lost like two head covers. And Didn't break. So I, I was just, but it was it was super funny because the next day we we actually ended up playing with Patrick Reed, and he's like, "How many strokes did Ryan cost you yesterday?" <laughs> like, man, maybe one or two. He's like, "Oh, great, my caddie's normally four or five So I, I felt better, and you know, but it's it's crazy to be out there. Yeah, you, you basically had the Ryder Cup out there with the top twenty players in the world and and um, the top twenty caddies in the world, and. You know, it's intimidating when you're sitting there and Bones is next to you, and you're, you're trying to, hey, will you, will you grab the bunker or will you get yardage? But, but Tony keeps it so cool. It's, what you see is what you get. He's probably one of the most chill humans in the world, and that's why he's so good at golf. Like he just he can shake it off. And there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of lessons there, man. I mean, on Sunday we played with Scotty Scheffler who triple bogeyed the third hole. And he's talking to me like nothing happened on the way over, and then he goes and rips off nine birdies in a row and takes second of the tournament. Wow. Nine birdies in the last 16, 15 holes. I'd never seen anything like it, and that's which why attitude in sports is so important. Um, but it was it was pretty cool.
0: Well, you took the Bahamas, but you gave up Maui, so I guess you got to split the uh, sp- split that stuff down the middle, right?
8: Hey, I just. I just go where they need me. <laughs>
0: there you go. <laughs> all right, Ryan. Well, we know you got to go, so we got to let you go. I was going to say the press conference and uh, the media availability went uh, went really well yesterday. I know when the press conference is a temporary thing, and then all the other stuff comes. And you made a point about it's a multi season commitment and journey and all that. The one thing I would add is when uh, when David Blitzer said the goal is to win the MLS Cup for a big chunk of the longtime RSL fan base. The 2011 loss in the uh, Champions League final at home is the moment they want back. And so you can tell David, as much as everybody wants the MLS Cup, and they do... That moment to be the first MLS team to be the champion of the continent yeah. and to yeah, the yeah, credibility yeah. that comes with beating a team from Mexico. It's an intense rivalry, but everybody knows there's a lot of credibility to be had. If you were the first team to do that, you'll always be the first club to do that. So, I don't know if he knew that piece of history. I know he's living overseas for a while and all that, but for the people who are in that stadium, that one still stings.
8: Yeah, was that in the last it happened in the last little bit,
0: right? They yeah. In two thousand eleven they'd gone yeah. down there and drew and they only needed a scoreless tie here. They gave up a goal and they almost scored at the end, which would've bailed it out. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm just pouring salt in the wound with all the details. But
8: No, yeah. I I mean I was we, we sat down with Romano and Beckerman and those guys last night and they were we went through the a lot of the the ins and outs of kind of their favorite moments. And look, I think I think uh, Blitz like like I said, we're super lucky, and we're 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 kind of both just about the community and in it to in it to make people proud and you know sports are interesting, like you can do everything you can and and you win or you win the championship, you can do everything you can, and it doesn't go that way, so I think the one thing that that people can expect from us is that we're gonna do everything we can and You know, you gotta look at a little bit over time and but Blitz Blitz is sitting there watching hockey because he's a he owns part of the devils while we're there. I mean, he's all in. This guy loves sports. And so
0: we're excited. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate it. All right, thanks guys. There's Ryan Smith with PK and I. When we come back, what is trending? A crazy final day of the NFL. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.